Thanks for listening to the GOSH podcast. GOSH stands for the Gynecologic Oncology Sharing Hub, an open space for real and evidence-based discussions on gynecologic cancers. We'll share the stories of gyne cancer patients and survivors and hear from researchers and clinicians who are working behind the scenes to improve the lives of people with gynecologic cancers. Our podcast is produced and recorded on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. It is produced by the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative, a province-wide initiative in British Columbia with the mission to accelerate transformative research and translational practice on the prevention, detection, treatment, and survivorship of gynecologic cancers. Hi, I'm Nicole Kay. And I'm Stephanie Lamb. And you're listening to the GOSH Podcast. Welcome back to season two of the GOSH podcast. So after taking off a few months over the summer, Nicole and I are back to share more patient stories and talk more about gynecologic cancer research in BC. We have a lot of exciting episodes and exciting guests coming onto the podcast, so stay tuned for what's to come. Now, before we dive into these stories, we thought that this would be the perfect time to get an update on the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. So for those who don't know, the GCI is a provincial research initiative that works across institutions and across all five gynecologic cancers to accelerate transformative research in prevention, detection, treatment, and survivorship. So the GCI has been around for a few years now, so we thought it would be a good time to connect and hear about what some of the major accomplishments of the GCI has been and some of the challenges that the group has encountered, particularly over the last year with the COVID-19 pandemic. So this guest joined us back in episode two when we talked about the GCI's bold mission of reducing the incidence, death, and suffering by 50% by 2034. So we're really looking forward to reconnecting and hearing more about the GCI. So Nicole, would you like to go ahead and introduce our first guest? Absolutely. I would love to. Um, Welcome back. Dr. Gavin Stewart is a professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of British Columbia. He previously served as the Dean of the Faculty of Medicine at that institution from September 2003 to September 2015, and UBC's Vice Provost Health from 2009 to 2016. Dr. Stewart remains an active teacher, clinician, and researcher at UBC. As an academic clinician, he works with the gynecologic oncology team at Vancouver General Hospital and BC Cancer. His research and publications are focused on clinical trials and the prevention and treatment of gynecologic cancers. Dr. Stewart is also the strategic lead for the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. So thank you for coming back onto the GOSH podcast and sharing all this important work that you do. You're more than welcome. So before we get started, and dive into the serious stuff, we're gonna have some fun. So we got a few icebreaker questions to get started. Are you ready? Um, I hope so. (laughs) Okay, first one, are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, that's easy, I'm an early bird. I usually get up at 5.30 every morning and unless it's summer and I might get up at five o'clock to go bike riding. Even on the weekends? Yep. True early bird. Okay, number two. If you could eat only one item of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Hmm. I'm a foodie and I love eating, so it's hard. But I think 
I would say either halibut or salmon. Good choice. All right, last one. Would you rather live where it only snows or the temperature never falls below 40 degrees? That's easy. I feel like sort of one of those cartoon characters when it's over 40 degrees, I just melt in a blob on the ground. So uh, I'll take the snow any day. Perfect. All right, on to the serious stuff. Thanks for having some fun with us. So why don't you start and tell us about some of the major accomplishments that the GC, the GCI's had over the last three years? Gosh, that's, uh, well, I shouldn't say gosh, that's the name of the uh, recording, <laughs> but um, we, we've had a, we've, we've had a lot. I mean, all of this ultimately is about patients. So certainly for patients, we, uh, and, and the women in British Columbia at risk for, for gynecologic cancer, We've had uh, 17 episodes of this GOSH podcast for season one, uh, all between October 2020 and July 2021. And, and uh, this is the start of season two. So I hope that's a, a good um, aid to, to patients in trying to understand the uh, landscape of their diagnosis and treatment. Uh, additionally, for patients, we've uh, uh, with the leadership of uh, Stephanie Lamb, really advanced the Patient and Family Advisory Council. We're now starting a patient journey mapping project with uh, BC Cancer, and it's uh, in collaboration with the BC Cancer Patient Experience Program. That's a, a patient-led project, and I'm particularly pleased that it's a provincial project with input from across the province. And uh, we have planned now uh, two retreats to include uh, patients. Uh, one on survivorship and one on uh, cancer risk stratification and prevention uh, in order to help us develop a provincial uh, strategy for that. <clears throat> and then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we did have a uh, survivorship summit in collaboration with the uh, Women's Health Research Cluster, another cluster at UBC. Um, and, and that was attended by 56 patient partners, healthcare practitioners, and scholars. And we have uh, released a, uh, a summit report following that. So a, a number of offerings for, for patients that I hope are, are good from the GCI. Um, it, it, pr next to, to patients, trainees are so important. That's the next generation of knowledge creators. Um, and and uh, I'm particularly pleased with what we've been able to do here. So uh, we've had GCI research rounds. We had 12 sets of uh, round presentations, again, between October 2020 and June this year. We've had the GC webinar series, which was a series of eight weekly webinars with over 300 registrants, including international attendance. And that was, uh, I'm particularly proud of that. We've had a, a trainee research day, which was uh, the first ever, and we had 27 trainees um, in the broad area of gynecologic oncology uh, doing presentations, uh, about 60 attendees. We had six prize recipients, <coughs> and we were able to uh, offer the Barber Burthen Award. So that was a really uh, a powerful day, and the trainees, I think, were very excited. Uh, as a result, we've set up a trainee education committee with 15 members working on exciting new projects, a blog and professional development series. And uh, we hope that that will be something that helps support trainees in BC researching gynecologic cancers. 
some of the nitty gritty uh, accomplishments, um, research funding, you know, this group, the Gynecologic uh, Cancer Initiative has acquired from uh, 2018 until uh, right through till 2025, uh, a total of $88 million committed funds for gynecologic cancer research. So that's all in all sorts of grants and, and uh, professorships and Canada research chairs and the likes, but $88 million for gynecologic cancer research, incredible. Uh, second of which is uh, we've been able to establish the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative Clinical Trials Group. We've been able to have a competition called the Accelerating Grants Program. And we've funded uh, now seven made in BC clinical trials. And the idea of this is to uh, take those nascent ideas in British Columbia, develop them into clinical trials, generate some data to feed into large national and international trials with BC leadership. Uh, a number of funding opportunities. We've had the Caressi uh, 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 competition. And for that, there were six recipients identified. Um, we have something called the Miller Mendel Fellowship, which is uh, laboratory-based training or at least additional training for qualified gynecologic oncology. Uh, we've been able to work with industry, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, and uh, they have funded a one to two year term for training in medical oncology in the domain of gynecology. Uh, so that's a, a number of funding opportunities. Uh, clinical informatics and tissue banking uh, we want to make sure that we have the opportunity to look at cancer and understand at a molecular and genetic level why those cells turned left at the intersection instead of right. And so to do that, we need, we need the tissue. So we have more than 8,000 consented patients, and we now have uh, more, more than 63,000 specimens available to look at. And I'm most grateful to the women of BC that have allowed us to collect those specimens. And then finally, I'll say that the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative for the third year in a row has been selected as one of the successful UBC research excellence clusters for this academic year. And uh, I think we've had a, 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 a banner year. Impressive, amazing work. Wow, thanks Gavin. That That's a really good overview of kind of all of the activities that happen, um, you know, within the cluster. There's so many um, collaborations and funding opportunities and events and stuff that have been happening. And I really like that you highlighted how important the patient's role is uh, within the cluster. So thank you for that amazing overview. Um, I'm also curious, you know, how has the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative kind of overcome any challenges over the last year, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic um, happening in 2020, um, you know, what were some of the challenges? Has the pandemic impacted some of the work that has happened um, within the GCI and some of the researchers' work within the GCI? Um, so certainly the pandemic has impacted the work of the GCI. But I'm reminded of the expression of my grandmother, when you close the door, you open a window. Um, and um, truly there have been opportunities that uh, have arisen as a result of COVID. So for example, the trainee uh, day, we had hoped that would be an in-person uh, fun event for the trainees. And that wasn't to be. So we had to turn it into a virtual event. 
And suddenly we had trainees from across the province and some from across the country, and it just took off. Second of which is our research seminars. We'd hoped a lot of those would be in person. And Stephanie Lamb and others were able to uh, work to uh, make that virtual. And as a result, we had people patching in to the research seminars from across the country, from other universities, Dalhousie, McGill, and so on. So um, it, yeah, yes, there's a, an impact. There has been an impact on the, some of the laboratory work. Um, what most of the scientists have done being very resilient is recognize that they're not able to generate new data if they're not in the laboratory, but they have been very creative in mining the data that they have in the home setting and continuing to publish. And I think evidence of the um, work that continues to go on even during COVID, people like Janice Kwan were promoted to professor and all of this was during COVID. So yeah, there, there, there were challenges, uh, but also, um, I, I am incredibly impressed with the creativity of the team and their ability to turn a, uh, a, a having been given lemons, they've been selling lemonade for, uh, at a rapid rate. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think we talked about this in the first season, you know, what has really made the GCI successful to date. And I remember one of the key things that you talked about was collaboration was a big piece of that, you know, everyone coming together for uh, one common initiative. Would you say that that is still what makes the GCI successful or has anything changed in that space? Or what would you say, you know, really today, what, what's continuing to make it successful? Well, I think you're quite right, Nicole, that that collaboration has been central to the success of the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. And I have repetitively stated, this is not about the GCI. This is about caring and looking after the women of British Columbia. And can we all come together to do that? And I've been very impressed that the team has bought into that and, and have come together. I think Another a piece that is is changing, and I hope it continues to change, is the need to essentially demonstrate selflessness in this. This isn't about an individual or an ego or a a prize or whatever else. This is a cooperative attempt to see if we can actually impact the health of the women in BC who either have gynecologic cancer or at risk for gynecologic cancer. And that requires a selflessness that people can just continue to drive ahead, knowing that it's not about them, it's about helping others. And I, I, I think people are starting to, to endorse that and, and realize, well, if we're gonna do that, working together would allow us to be even more effective. And personally, I get very excited about it. I, I, I celebrate, with, with individuals, with all of the individual successes, but this is about the collective impact on the health of women. I think, you know, as someone who is a patient partner and, you know, a bit of an outsider to the group, really feel that that is what is at the core of what you're trying to do. Like, Stephanie does so much great work in including us as patient partners and giving us opportunities and even just blending us into that survivorship summit or 
um, you know, the webinar series, just having opportunities for not only our voices to be heard, but for us to just join in and hear what's going on and be a part of that journey, I think really highlights that truly are focused on us as patients um, and our well-being and, and providing, you know, solutions or improvements in treatment research um, and really feel that as someone who represents that, you know, past patient community. Well, ex exactly. And I, I think, uh, well, I'm very pleased to hear you say that, Nicole, that that's what you see through the lens that you bring to the table, uh, because it's exactly what I'd like to see reflected for the GCI. And uh, I mean, even down to the the academic environment is is a bit funny sometimes. It, it, it can be very competitive and, and who's the first author and who's the last author and how, how, who gets the credit. I've just been so pleased this past year that people are publishing papers where the first author may be the trainee. Uh, it, it, the first author may be one of the hardworking persons in the middle. Um, and that sharing of success really builds a team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so important. And um, I absolutely see the patient partners as being part of a really important part of the GCI and all of the work that yourself, Nicole, that you do and all of the other patient partners um, definitely really make the GCI really special. Um, so I'm really grateful for all of the work that um, you folks bring into the team. Um, you know, Gavin, now looking forward into the future, um, you know, what what is the goal for GCI over the next three, five years? Um, what are you most excited about as the GCI continues to grow and move forward? Well, I'm excited and anxious all at the same time, because I think the next three years, the GCI has to deliver the goods. So we need to be able to demonstrate that the work we're doing is actually improving the health of the women at, affected by or at risk of gynecologic cancer. Um, what am I excited about is we're starting to do this. And there's a paper coming out in the very near future uh, led by uh, Jillian Hanley, who's been looking at the uh, outcomes of women who have had opportunistic salpingectomies in the province at the time of cesarean section or at the time of a hysterectomy. And those women are uh, actually showing a, a reduced risk, a, a dramatically reduced risk of, of developing a cancer. And so we've now been doing this for more than 10 years and we can actually show the impact of the strategies that we're putting into place. Now, there's a lot more to do. We're generating a lot of data around <clears throat> the use of uh, HPV vaccine and the impact it has on cervical cancer. But the GCI is going to have to deliver over the next three years and show evidence that what we're doing works. And I, uh, I, I think we can do that. I, I'm very excited about it. Um, I think, you know, quite frankly, that's why there has to be uh, significant and substantial patient engagement, because it doesn't matter what we think, it's what the patients think. One thing that I wanted to just, I was curious about in terms of where you see um, the GCI going, is I was talking to someone the other day, and they were telling me about this 
clinic that exists within VCH called the Prostate Cancer Support Care. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yes, yeah, very much so. And uh, it seems like it's a really established program that exists. Um, I did some, you know, just checking it out. It's been around since 2013. It really focuses on survivorship and, you know, a lot of things that I think, you know, myself or, or other women who have gone through gynae cancers also struggle with, you know, when we look at sexual health or requiring pelvic floor physio, um, on our side, menopause management, those kinds of things. Is that something that you see possible happening in the gynae cancer space or, or how, I mean, I don't know how something like that came to exist, but it seems like there's some correlation or some value that we'd see on our side. Um, and, and how does a program like that actually get established? So I think this is something that's being discussed in the patient and family council, and I would hope that's where it would come through. Yeah. Um, one of the keys there, Nicole, is that in bringing persons together under the umbrella of survivorship, we have to be very sure that we have a culturally sensitive environment that people feel safe, yeah. uh, first and foremost, because that's a, that's a major issue for a lot of women in our province. If we can create that culturally safe environment, I think there's a very rich opportunity to do exactly what you, you were talking about. Mm. The prostate uh, group did uh, establish a, a, a support group some time ago, mm -hmm. and uh, that's been uh, very, very popular. Um, I, I, I don't know the demographics of that, how inclusive it is or, mm -hmm. or whatever else, but our focus is to create an inclusive culturally safe environment that we can have those support group in a meaningful way. Yeah. I'm thinking about like how COVID has kind of changed the way we all work. We're doing so much more virtual now. There's more telehealth that's existing. Does, you know, the change in landscape with those technologies and us getting more comfortable in say meeting with a health provider via Zoom or some other platform, um, it opens up doors for, you know, having a more inclusive support system when you're thinking about support groups and that. Do you feel like that changes the landscape to make it more, um, uh, you know, supportive for all, inclusive for all those in BC dependent, like, regardless of whether you're in a, a metropolitan center or somewhere more rural, you know, does it open more doors for us to explore those opportunities? It, it, it opens a lot of doors because what we're finding with telehealth is uh, uh, a, a kind of interesting inclusivity that we didn't have before, mm -hmm. particularly for patients coming to Vancouver uh, for particular specialized treatments. We now know that the televisits beforehand can include the woman's son, her auntie, her, her granny, um, and uh, Many times I'll, I'll do a Zoom or, or a phone call and, and, and there's four persons in the room all asking questions at the same time. But I think that creates an environment of inclusivity that is very helpful. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and also when I speak of cultural sensitivity, I think it also starts to set the or establish the message that we want you to feel safe. Yeah. And so I think that's been a very positive impact. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast and hear about, you know, the really great work that you are doing. Um, and we, we appreciate it. We enjoy having you here. So thank you for joining us for our first episode back, uh, season two. <laughs> Delighted to be a part of it. And I thank you too for your leadership in this. I think this is a, an extremely important project and uh, really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for joining us on the GOSH podcast. To learn more about the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative and our podcast, make sure to check out our website at gynecancerinitiative.ca.